Well, good afternoon, everyone, um, and welcome to our editor's workshop. I think we have uh, an amazing uh, program for this afternoon, and we definitely will want to ensure that you come away with some knowledge that you can use. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Denise Colley. I'm currently chair of the Board of Publications, and this event is sponsored by us. So what I want to do first, before we do anything else, is I want to know who's in the room. So we're going to go around and do introductions. And when you introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and are you currently an editor of a newsletter um, on either, you know, your state level, your local level, or if not, are you um, looking to be one? So we kind of know what the, um, you know, the flavor of the group is. Do we have anybody in the room with some vision? Would you like to take the mic around? Thank you. I am Deanna Quietwater Noriega. Um, I am not currently an editor of anything. I do write poetry, essays, and short stories. And so there are times when I'm solicited a lot for material, but I'm interested in the, the mechanics as well. Aloha. <clears throat> My name is Londa Falan, and I am the chair of publicity for our chapter, and I'm here to learn. Thank you. Hawaii. Uh, good afternoon, folks. Art Cabanilla, the president of the Hawaii chapter or affiliate, and um, I am also here to see what we can do in terms of improving our uh, monthly write-ups. My name is Mika White, and I'm from Washington State, and I'm the editor of our quarterly newsletter, The Newsline. I'm Rita Reese Whiting from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and our uh, state affiliate uh, newsletter editor may have to step down for medical reasons, and I may end up taking over for her. Sure. I'm Doug Powell. I'm a member of the Board of Publications and hope, hoping to be reelected tomorrow. <laughs> Hello, my name is Susan Glass. I am from California, and I edit a monthly chapter newsletter called Silicon Valley Council of the Blind in Touch. I am associate editor of The Blind Californian, and um, along with Steve Dresser, I co-edit the newsletter of the American Association of Blind Teachers called The Blind Teacher. Thank you. Hello. I'm Olivia Chavez. I'm from El Paso, Texas. I'm a member at large of ACBT. I was the uh, PR representative on the board for a couple of years, and now I'm a member of 
visually impaired persons of El Paso group. And I'm not an editor or a very good writer. This is why I'm here to learn, because I do have to prepare uh, PSAs, etc. I'm Eileen Vasquez. I'm actually a member of the Blinded Veterans Association, and our regional group here in Minnesota has sent me to learn more about doing all the publicity on the websites and things, because um, I'm new at it. I'm Judy Wilkinson. Until tomorrow, I'm a member of the Board of Publications. Um, delighted to be here and looking forward to it. I'm Steve Mendelson. I'm a writer of, of books, and I want to learn more about uh, the uh, uh, whole process of writing them in and publicizing them as best I can. I'm Karen Hughes from Tempe, Arizona, and I'm not on BOP, but I am um, involved in my local community in Tempe on the uh, Arizona Council uh, State Board, Guide Dog Users Board, and I'm interested in writing articles for the forum. Thank you, Mike Runner, and thank you, you guys, for moving up so she didn't have to run all the way to the back of the room. We're going to get these Mike Runner's roller skates. Well, welcome, everyone. Did everyone get their ticket collected? <laughs> all right. This afternoon, as I said, I think we have a program that is going to be... Um, give you information to take away with you and, uh, you know, information you can use. So at this time, I would like to introduce um, Ron Brooks. Ron Brooks is a member of the Board of Publications and is going to be, will introduce our guest and facilitating the rest of this workshop. So Ron? It is. You know, this morning I wanted to speak up at general session and I couldn't make the mic loud. I think they might have done that on purpose. So, um, welcome. It is too, It is the wrong time of day for me to stand, be stand behind a podium. Um, so I'm actually going to move around just a little bit just to try to keep myself and you awake. Um, so we call this fast lane communications. And I want to introduce myself just real briefly. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, where, and uh, I, someone actually told me today that this is considered warm by uh, Minneapolis standards. And I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. Um, so I want to share two things. Um, I am a, uh, I've, I've done a lot of writing, uh, writing uh, for the Braille Forum at different times. Uh, writing for a, a variety of newsletters. I do a lot of writing at work. My last job, I was a, a business uh, developer, so I wrote business proposals, uh, you know, 200-page documents to try to win contracts for the company that I worked for. So lots and lots of writing. Um, two things in my career really, uh, one was professional and one was kind of more on the personal side. 
professionally, my first job, um, I worked for a large transit agency in the Bay Area. And when we took an item to the board, I guess I should preface it. I started in graduate school. And in graduate school, we had to write, and I think that the longer the paper, the higher the grade. And I was really, really good at writing really, really long papers with big words. And they were grammatically correct and flowering and wonderful. And I got really good grades. So then I went to BART in the Bay Area, worked as a planner. And at BART, every item that went to our board of directors, whether it was a $10,000 consulting contract or a $172 million rail extension, the board report was two pages long, and it could not be a one character longer. And we had to describe the project, the background, the pros and the cons, the financial impact, the implementation, and we had two pages. This virtually almost killed me. <laughs> it was so hard to do it. And, but it forced me to learn how to write for quality and not for quantity. Um, well, of course, somewhere along the way, I forgot how to do it. My writing got longer again because um, I went into business development where you're often trying to sell a project. And again, you start to write beautiful, flowery, wonderful prose. And, and then along came Twitter. And I love Twitter. I love the humor. I love the freshness. I love the fact that it's short. And, and it was a fun exercise for me to say as much as possible in 140 characters. And I hate abbreviations. So my 140 were always in words. So I really was limited. But it, was, it forced me again to learn how to be quick to be sharp and to have something to say. So one of the things I've noticed in our publications and in, uh, within the blindness community in general, we're all talkers. I mean, we're verbal communicators, many of us, most of us perhaps. And I notice that sometimes we take a lot of words to say what can be said in a few. And I think it weakens our communications. I think it waters it down. So when we were thinking about uh, this workshop, it occurred to me that maybe it would be fun to talk about how can we be uh, get our message across quickly, uh, get it across powerfully, and get it across in a way that people will consume it. And whether we like it or not, people like short. They like to, they're used to Twitter now. They're used to blogs. And if your blog is more than 300 words, people don't read it. Um, they don't like long things. And so as much as we might like to write long, flowery, beautiful essays, people like short. And I think you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have short and you can have good. So what we did today and what we're going to do is we're going to talk to and or, uh, talk with uh, someone who does this as her profession. Uh, her name is Jane McClure. She is the managing editor for Access Press which is a local uh, disability accessibility uh, related publication here in Minneapolis. Uh, she'll talk more about what she does there. But when I was on her um, page, Access Press, I noticed that she doesn't write long, long things. It's quick. It's informative. It's exactly what we need to be trying to do here. So we said, hey, would you come talk to us about how to communicate in the fast lane today? 
where it's all about speed and effectiveness and efficiency. And so she's here to do that. So she's going to talk, and, and then uh, we'll hopefully have lots of time for a discussion and interaction. So I'm going to turn it over to Jane right now. Jane, you have a microphone at the podium. Would you prefer this one? Oh, I'll try the podium. Okay, um, great. Thank you very right. much, and thanks for that kind introduction. Um, your dollar for saying nice things about Access Press will go into your pocket later. That's always, <laughs> that's always my joke when people say nice things about the newspaper. It's always good to know that, <laughs> yes. that uh, kindness pays off. Kindness literally. pays. <laughs> so. And again, I'll make a quick joke at Ron's expense. Um, Ron talking about his younger student days and writing long is why many of us in the community journalism world, we no longer pay by the word. (laughs) So anyway, um, I'm Jane McClure. I'm the managing editor of Access Press, although I've got to throw another joke in here. We're in St. Paul, which of course St. Paul and Minneapolis, we we love each other. Um, No, we don't. No, we don't. So um, we're in St. Paul. We're the statewide paper for people with disabilities. And I'll tell you a little bit about Access Press, and then I'll tell you a little bit about me. Um, We were founded 26 years ago by a gentleman named Charlie Smith. And Charlie was a quadriplegic, and he was injured in a swimming accident. And he was a kid, and another kid pushed him into the pool, and he landed wrong. And Charlie became very active politically in Minnesota. Um, And in the pre-internet, pre-email, pre-fax machine, we're dating ourselves now, in those days, you needed a way to communicate and get your message out. So Charlie and his family and other people with disabilities in Minnesota founded Access Press. I was actually editing another community paper in St. Paul when Access Press was founded. So I was here for the founding of the paper, and I helped Charlie and others with the conversion of it from a for-profit model to a non-profit model, which was done as a means to get grants. So Charlie Smith was our founder, Charlie Jr., I should say. His father also helped him with the paper, and we've been publishing monthly since then. We publish online. We've had a website for several years. And we do a Facebook page, we do Twitter, although we don't do it as well as we should, and we're looking for ways to fund and support that. Our newspaper covers a lot of issues. Um, We cover a lot of state and local government issues related to accessibility. We just got done covering the Minnesota legislature, which if you've ever heard of or read about or, you know, been on a forced march, you'll know what I'm talking about. Legislature is pretty miserable. We cover a lot of the issues there, including things like in Minnesota, we're trying to get, and nationally, we're dealing with the personal care attendant crisis, which if any of you have PCA help, you'll know what I'm talking about. We can't pay our PCAs enough, and they're going to work at McDonald's and Burger King and uh, White Castle and all those other good places. My boss, who's a quadriplegic, the current executive director, has cycled through I think we counted 32 PCAs this year. So that's an issue we've been covering. We cover a lot of the medical supply issues. We cover a lot of the accessibility issues. We've had a guy and a couple guys in Minnesota who've been running around, oh, you have steps, or you don't have braille, or you don't have an accessible door at the front. I'm going to sue you. And we've been writing about him, because while it sounds on the surface like, that's a good thing, yes, everything should be accessible, we in Minnesota think there's better ways to do that than beating the tar out of people in the court system, and we've been covering legislation on that to help businesses 
become accessible without those kind of legal fights. We've covered a lot of issues. Charlie was really more of an activist journalist, and that's okay, and I'm guessing that's what some of you are as writers. He and a group of people in wheelchairs about 18 years ago went to the Minnesota governor's office and did a sit-in in their wheelchairs, and of course they called the state highway patrol to come in and arrest them. The state patrol provides our security at the Capitol. And there was a little problem with, well, we have all these people in chairs. How are we going to get them? And some have, some have dog guides, and some are, some are blind or visually impaired, and some have walkers. and some. There was no way to get everybody to jail. So they got a big scolding from the governor's chief of staff, and they were sent on their way. But we tend to cover the political issues. We also cover issues with people and events. One of the really tough things in the disability community and we just did a documentary on it a few years ago called The Real Story. One of the tough things about our community as people with disabilities is sometimes we're covered as objects of pity. And we can talk about later about why that can come in handy and be, and be manipulative about it. But we're always supposed to be inspiring. I live with multiple disabilities. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I am visually impaired and have almost no sight in my left eye. I'm very fortunate and thank my right eye every morning. Um, I have Meniere's disease. I have clinical depression. And I get really tired of people wanting to set me on a pedestal and say, oh, look at her, she's disabled. I always say that I don't want to be your inspiration. I just want to make, through, make it through the day. But on the other hand, we have a lot of readers at Access Press who want to read about people with disabilities accomplishing great things. So we have to look at ways to cover those accomplishments in ways that aren't patronizing or in ways that, you know, you have to watch your, your language. You don't, we don't say confined to a wheelchair. We don't use language that, you know, puts down a disability. We don't do that. So that's... That's what we do at Access Press. I guess at most every, everybody on the staff, we have a three-person staff. I have an executive director, and we have an office manager. We work with freelance writers. Um, we all have some kind of a, a disability or multiple disabilities. We're governed by a volunteer board because we are a nonprofit paper that helps us get some operating grants, although not as much as we used to, alas. Um, and... That's, that's kind of who we are and what we do. We're kind of a tip sheet. It's kind of interesting. The daily papers in Minneapolis and St. Paul and the TV and the radio stations kind of follow the issues we cover and pick up on them, which is kind of a mixed blessing because we think, well, it's good that this issue is getting out, but, you know, gee, a person with a disability could write this story just as well. So, and a little bit about myself. Um, I'm 58. I've worked as a journalist since I was 12. I started writing when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> and I wrote for community newspapers in Iowa, where I grew up. I grew up on a cattle farm. And um, we always joke that I'm the only editor in town who used to lasso in my younger, healthier days. I, in Iowa, rodeo is a varsity sport. So <laughs> I have my letter jacket somewhere, and one of those letters is for roping steers. Um, I've written, like I said, written for newspapers since I was 12. I'm a graduate of Iowa State. I was the first 
woman to cover Big 8 football back in the 1970s, which was a whole trip in and of itself, and cover men's sports. And yes, I went into locker rooms. No, I, no, I did not look. Um, but um, And then I've written for community papers in Iowa and Minnesota since then. I am part-time at Access Press. I write for the community papers in St. Paul. I cover city and county government. I'm also an author. I've authored and or co-authored or edited about a dozen local history books and I've done some history tour work and history research and not a lot of my work is online because one of the papers I write probably 20 articles a month for refuses to go online which is another story in and of itself that we can talk about but um, I'm I'm pretty open to talking about whatever you want to talk about or whatever questions you have. It sounds like a lot of you want to do publicity. Is that correct? Well, I'm the person who sometimes gets to throw away your press releases. Um, and in fact, I used to do a workshop about that. In the days when things came by mail, I would bring a couple grocery bags full of press releases and I would dump them on the podium to make my point and say, this is what did not get into the newspaper this month. Um, the great thing with electronic media is it's so much easier than typing stuff up, making copies. I mean, I'm old enough to date back to carbon paper, carbons and typing with carbons. I mean, I should be in, I sh the carbons and I should be in a museum. And, um, but with electronic media, it's so much faster to get the word out. But at the same, and it makes it easier in a lot of ways. But in some ways, you're competing with so many other press releases and so many other people in getting your message out. And be it a fundraiser for a group like Can Do Canines, which is one of the premier dog providers in the Twin Cities, whether it's an article about their next fundraiser, whether it's an article about legislative issues, whether it's you're telling your own story, which is a huge issue at Access Press. We're always telling people, tell your story, share your story, get the word out to the policy makers, what your needs are, what you want, and what you need from them as a taxpayer, as a working person, and as a person who wants to be a contributing part of society. That's a very big part of our message. But it's harder to get the message out when there's so many more voices out there. And I think there are ways to make messages stand out. And it really depends on what you want to do. I get, I get press releases that, for Access Press, are crazy. I get the packets from Detroit every year for the new cars. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> A lot of my readers are low-income people with disabilities. Boy, they're just going to run out and buy that 2017 Lincoln Continental or whatever the heck it is right now. <laughs> and I deal with so many people, and I have to write to them every so often. I take one day a month. I go, ah, I flex my muscles. And then I write little notes to people with press releases and say, here's why I really don't want you sending me things anymore. <laughs> I mean, having to say to them, we're a disability newspaper. We're a Minnesota disability newspaper. <laughs> we're not um, 
you know, we just, we just get things that just aren't even relevant. We get things that constantly miss our deadline. If I had a dime for every time I've been hollered at, because I have to email or call somebody and say, hi, you've missed the deadline for the print issue. I can put it on Facebook. I can put it on Twitter. I get yelled at. And it's like, okay, if I had a dime for every time I got that yelling at, I wouldn't be here. I'd be on a beach and you'd all be with me because I would have that many dimes. I mean, it's really, you know, I always say if you're going to be an editor, you have to have kind of a thick hide. And those of you who edit newsletters probably know that. You probably get your share of criticism. In working with publications and working with broadcast media and e-media, there's always a deadline. And the people who editors like me will bow to and love and respect, you're the ones who meet our deadlines. You're the ones who, if I say, is there access to a JPEG of the speaker, a picture of the speaker, I can run that for readers who are sighted. And you know they might say, oh, I'll go to this event. A picture would draw more attention with my press release. Or maybe you send me your logo in a format that I can use in a newspaper. Um, know who you're sending to, as well as knowing the deadlines. Like I said, I get a lot of stuff that is not disability specific. I mean, I was looking at something this morning on apply for a gun permit, and I thought, no, I, I don't dislike the Minnesota legislature that much. <laughs> that I would, <laughs> and that's a really that's really in poor taste, and I apologize. But we get these things, and I'm I probably go through 200 to 300 emails a day. We publish once a month. And it's, there's a saying in rural Iowa where I'm from about 50 pounds of mud in a five-pound sack. <laughs> and that's kind of what putting together a newspaper feels like. You know, know your deadlines. Know the publication. Know what's a really good time. If you need to call an editor, don't call on press day. If you need to call a TV station, don't call before the 5 o'clock, an hour before the 5 o'clock news. Call earlier in the day. Um, if you're asking for coverage of something, get something in as soon as possible and then a reminder a couple days before. Always helpful to not call the day of an event and say, hi, we want coverage. Um, because most times TV stations and newspapers can't accommodate you. Um, if you're planning coverage for an event or an announcement, sometimes weekends are better than weekdays just because it's a slow news time. The irony of saying this to this group is not going to be lost on me, but if you're trying to get television coverage or online media, live streaming media coverage, think in terms of what is visual, not to us, but to them. <laughs> because that's how you get your message across. It's like Charlie taking all the people with chairs and dog guides and walkers and filling the governor's office. You know, think of a way to get a message across that's really, really effective. Um, think about think about different places to get your message out. Newspapers often welcome guest commentaries. And if you're not somebody who's, you know, written about an issue and how you feel about an issue, it's a good way to get out of your comfort zone. Um, Twitter is great for, th for some things, for, and especially for announcements and action alerts and updates. 
but sharing our story can sometimes be a longer process and that's where a good editorial page piece can come in. Maybe something's happening at the state capitol or at city hall that affects your community. Maybe something's happening with, well, I'll give the example in St. Paul. We had some curb cuts that were done that um, my house cats could have done a nicer job of putting in those curb cuts. And we had a group that raised the issue, held a press conference, went to the city, and we're getting new curb cuts on about 30 streets this summer. So, so you can make a difference, and you can get your message out. Um, you know, think in terms, too, of who your audience is. The beauty of electronic media is you can go really widespread, but you can also be incredibly, incredibly focused in ways that you couldn't be before. And that's always something to consider. Press releases are not like, and now I date myself again, press releases are not like pantyhose. They're not one size fits all. <laughs> Those of us who have worn pantyhose know that is not the case. Um, but think in terms of being able to target and focus a message. Think about, if you're somebody who does a newsletter, think about what's a group in my community that I could, or an editor in my community, that I could reach out to and maybe even talk to on the phone, set up a meeting with, and be able to get our issues and our concerns across. Think about, I hate to say think outside the box because that's one of the mothers of all cliches, but I think, you know, think in terms of trying something new and that's and that's tough for old dogs like me i mean it's you know i'm going to probably be wrapped in a print newspaper when i die and everybody says print is dead and i'm like well not for everybody not yet but think in terms of what outreach best accommodates you and the message you want to get out and we can talk about ways to get there any questions You've got a mic. Oh, she's got a mic. Don't mess with her. <laughs> oh. Jane, can you share a little bit about, you know, I remember in all my um, English classes and in writing classes, you know, they said when you're developing an article, you deal with the who, what, when, where, and how, and sometimes the why. How do you do that and determine what's just the fluff that really you could leave out? Well, with the who, what, when, where, why, and how, I always throw in who the heck cares. And I, again, that's because I've read too many press releases, and I'm old and cranky. And um, anyway, <laughs> like I said, in the days when we got mail, I used to bring bags of press releases and dump them on the podium to make my point. Um, I think we talk about the pyramid style of writing, and you really put your most important stuff first. If you're writing about an event, I don't want to, as an editor, I don't want to go down five paragraphs and say, okay, where the hell is this event? What's this event about? You know, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a delight to work with. Um, <laughs> Put your most important information first. Think about it as building a pyramid or think about it as, you know, if any of you have ever handled a snake, you know, think about it as the head of the snake and the most important part of the snake 
is the head. And think about it in terms of get that most information, most important information up there first. If you're writing something to make a point, put your thesis statement first. Um, if you're writing something that's more a guest editorial or a guest piece about yourself or a piece about your disability, you know, you can start and lead into your point a bit more. But typically, typically with news, I want to see the most important stuff first. If you've won an award, I want to see John Jones won an award from the National Alliance of the Mentally Ill, Minnesota. I don't want to go down five paragraphs to find that. I don't want to read your mission statement, charming and delightful as it may be. And, and yes, I know you all worked very hard on those mission statements. Those can go at the end of the article. That being said, when you write an article, you can always have, always have what you call a stock paragraph or two. The Jane McClure Fan Club is a group dedicated to glorifying the um, press release hacking exploits of Jane McClure, for example. Um, and just have that and just be able to cut and paste it in at the end of every article to tell people who you are. And if a newspaper has room or an online news service has room, they'll put it in. If you have a mission that you can say in one sentence, it never hurts to put the mission on the end. We'll include those from time to time as, as editors. We may not put them in every issue with every article. But, you know, be able to put that most inf important information first so I don't have to go hunting for it. Thank you. Hi, Jane. My name is Mika. Hi, Mika. Uh, hi. So um, I edit our, our news line, and I have a question for you um, logistically about <laughs> deadlines. And um, so I'm wondering how much of, of, for lack of a better word, a hard ass I should be <laughs> about, about deadlines because I feel like, um, I feel like sometimes they're not always honored. Like I put it, I put, <laughs> I put a deadline out there and, and it's based on, and I have this whole process in my head that it's all going to come in. And then that gives my committee like three good days to work on it. And we're going to have this awesome turnaround time. And I'm telling you in my head, we have got the most, <laughs> it is a well-run machine, well-run machine. Yeah, that yeah. thing is like two-week turnaround. Yes. Um, what, what happens is that um, sometimes um, people don't read the deadlines <laughs> or when they've been announced. Um, and, um, and, and typically what happens is that the day after the deadline, I get an email about a story of how they couldn't Please. submit the article that Please. day. And oh, I, I feel like I'm being punished for every time I procrastinated in school. So, <laughs> and, and I feel like I, I, I have trouble kind of being the way that I would like to be because, you know, I mean, we're all volunteers and I want, I want this to be a good experience. And I tell them that it's their, it's, it's, it's our news line and I want ownership. You know, I want them to have, I want our membership to have ownership of it. But how do I, um, how do I, what do I do to make these deadlines, to make these deadlines stick? Because um, I feel like in some ways I'm having to balance that. And if I said, oh, okay, well, your article's not going to be accepted, then we wouldn't really have much of a newsletter. Well, good questions, and good questions for those who edit a newsletter or who edit a newspaper. Um, 
I tend to be, unless it is an absolute emergency, I tend to be pretty hard and fast with deadlines just because, especially if you're volunteers, you can't really expect volunteers to move mountains for people. I think look at how you get your deadline out. Maybe bump up ways you get the deadline out. Maybe with Twitter, maybe with an e-news blast, maybe putting it all over the website, doing an announcement the week before and saying, hey, deadline is five days away. Um, there's a, just get the word out, get the word out, get the word out. I would say you're always going to have exceptions. Say an event comes up at the last minute or something that's canceled. I think that's reasonable. But I think with really long articles, sometimes it's hard to accommodate those when they come in late. I mean, I just said to somebody who called me this morning and said, can I get something in the print issue? And I said, well, we went to press yesterday, so you're waiting till August. And, you know, when everybody's special, nobody's special. Um, <laughs> that's a developmental disabled joke, so... <laughs> Somebody from the Ark, Minnesota, told me that, and I spit my coffee once. But, but it's true. I mean, you can't, if you keep making exceptions, being a volunteer or an editor who's not paid very much, we all know none of us are Rockefeller here. Um, well, I'm dating myself with that reference, too. Um, anyway, um, we really have to be, you know, we really have to not burn out volunteers. And I could say, how many of you have had volunteer burnout? And every hand in the room would go up. So, you know, I would say reinforce that deadline as much as you can. But also, we always have what we call stock copy or extra copy, extra stories that could run at any time. You know, maybe this is the month we run the story about, well, here's this feature we have on Minnesota State Services for the Blind. It can run any time. Always have that little pad or pile of copy somewhere that you can throw in if you need it. Um, maybe you throw in something like, here's the history of the ADA, or here's, you know, have, have that on hand. It's always going to be your good backup because, you know, at least in my world, writers being human, sometimes they blow a deadline and, oh, I'm not going to have that assignment done this month. And um, since, you know, I always say writers can't live with them, can't strangle them. Um, <laughs> um, you always need to have that extra copy there. But, but be firm on deadlines. Expl you know, write something in the newsletter or the newspaper from time to time that says, Hi, we're the people who put this publication together. We're volunteers. We have jobs, families, lives. We might be in a veterans post. We might go to a church. We might have children and grandchildren and friends we spend time with. Certainly, you know, make that, get that message across as much as you can. I mean, guilt can be a wonderful thing in getting people to comply with deadlines because it's just, you know, you just really, you really don't want to burn out, especially with volunteers. You really don't want to burn out and burn volunteers. So keep reinforcing it. You know, just get the word out as much as you can in as many ways as you can. This is Zelda Gebhardt from North Dakota, and, and thank you for your response. That's what I would have said, too. I was the editor of our newsletter, uh, the promoter, for five years. And I was like Mika. I didn't want to turn anybody down because I wanted to encourage everybody to participate. Um, they knew I was a softie. 
And since I granted him that grace, um, many of them would um, take advantage of that. And our current editor has a hard line rule. You don't get it in by the 10th, it's not gonna be in this issue. And you would not believe how many people um, are, are up till 12 <laughs> <laughs> submitting their, but poor, they do get it people. in. <laughs> yes. But she also does do that little tickler, like um, the week before it's due, to those people that she's expecting reports from. And so she does, you know, she's kind about it, but she's firm and she's hard on, on the deadline. And that way everybody knows. They have to, and they do. Yes. And, and I'm wishing now I would have had that stance. So try it. It'll be an issue or two before they take you seriously, but then they will get it in because they know they have to. I had a T-shirt that said no in 16-inch letters once because I edited a community paper in St. Paul where everybody blew deadline. And I just, one month, I just said, okay, we're not going to do this. You're not going to get your events out. And I was the most hated woman in Frogtown. But, you know, that's okay. Another question. So I want to kind of change, um, change directions and ask you, I want to run a scenario by you. I have watched as we, when we advocate, we tend often to advocate for things in terms of what's not working. So for example, I, I'm in a transit context at work. People tend to advocate by saying, the transit doesn't work for me. It, it's terrible. It's awful. My, my life is ruined because of it, et cetera, et cetera. I had a boss one time tell me that politicians never fund failure. And the, the, the idea being is, is that you should never have a negative advocacy message, that you should find a way, instead of saying transit doesn't, in, in the case of transit, transit doesn't work, it's terrible, it's lousy, even if all those things are true, put it in terms of, I really, you know, the message should be more like, I love it, I wish we had more, I need it, it makes my life better, um, da, 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 da. Could you comment on how to frame a message to make it effective to, to decision makers? Do you have any experience with that in terms of how you've done uh, and supported advocacy efforts maybe here in Minnesota with the legislature or wherever? Sure, that's a good point. I think sometimes my parents were local elected officials in Iowa and they would come home from small town, small rural county meetings just exhausted after people beating the stuffing out of them about different issues. Um, if you ever want to go do something that is like a forced march, I'll invite you to sit through a drainage hearing. Those can be just hell. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a. But back to the really good point here is that I think you can do that in different ways. I think I think policymakers do get tired of having the stuffing kicked out of them from time to time. Do they deserve it sometimes? Absolutely. But you can frame things in different ways. I've seen people be really effective with, here's somebody who's the good cop, and here's somebody who's the bad cop. Sometimes with writing about things, a really good approach is, and I'm judging the Ramsey County Fair next week, so we'll use a 4-H analogy for any of you who are ever 4-H or FFA kids. Yay! Um, <laughs> With 4-H judging, and this kind of goes with writing and advocacy, it can be like a sandwich. Um, bread, filling, bread. 
the first part is you say something good. You know, boy, I really love this transit system. It gets me to work every day. I like the new light rail in St. Paul. I can get to work so much faster. Here's what I really appreciate. This has made a difference in my life, and it's positive difference. Yay, light rail. Then here's my filling, which can be peanut butter, jam, meat, whatever. Um, and you say, well, but here's the problems with it. And we just went through this with our light rail system when the new line was built in St. Paul and opened two years ago last month. It's really not designed for access. If you're in a wheelchair, there are tall weeds. If you're using a cane, it's real hard to find out where the entrance to the platform is. These were issues that came up. Um, then that's your filling. You're making that kind of negative point or the point that needs to be made. Then we take our bread again, the sandwich approach, and you say, but boy, I really, you know, I really like this and I really appreciate it and hope it can be made better. That's one approach, and, and again, the good cop, bad cop is another. But I think sometimes rather than going in and being critical and just landing on people, because policymakers, elected officials, people in government, they get that a lot. I think if you can go in and say, I have an idea to make this better, you can get a lot farther. I mean, in Minnesota, we have a lot of self-advocates from a lot of different groups. There's groups called Advocating Change Together, um, which is a group uh, mainly de developmental disabilities, but people with a range of disabilities. You've got the Minnesota Consortium for Citizens with Disabilities. You've got a lot of the, co the coalitions. We had the Best Life Alliance, which is working to raise caregiver pay. And I think the messages they had were sharing their stories. And again, sharing them in a way that isn't really confrontational, but to say, this is what my life is like on the medical assistance spend down. I pay X dollars for food, rent, and utilities. I have Y number of dollars left. Here's how my life would be better. So sometimes if you can make those constructive arguments, use as many facts as you can while weaving them into your own story, you'll be a lot more effective than people who come in and just go negative. I mean, I understand wanting to go negative. I totally get that. I've written about local government and state government for a long time. And there's days I want to just go, you know, but I don't. And, but think of the ways to frame your message and share stories and share information and in your own experiences. And be able to, if something is negative, be able to suggest constructively, how do you make it better? That sound, okay. Other questions? Uh, <coughs> oh, we have a mic. <laughs> Hold you. My name is Pamela Johnson from Virginia, Northern Virginia. And uh, one question I'd like to ask is, okay, um, I know you write lots of um, articles and things. What I was wondering, and for organizations in general, um, like for the concise articles, like maybe one or two pages, what kind of um, ranges of different articles have you written, and what kind would be best for, say, maybe small as to um, a bigger organization? Are you writing about the organization, or are different you things in different things in the organizations? Um, in, in general, what kind of, if you win a wide variety, and how would you choose? 
Well, I think when we get articles about an organization, and that's a really good question, um, your length of your article is going to depend on what you're trying to get across and what you're trying to do. I get a lot of articles that I call, Yoo-Hoo, Here I Am. Um, Yoo-Hoo! Um, and I'll get an article or I'll get a call saying, boy, you need to write about our organization. And I'm like, okay, why? And, well, we're this great organization. Well, there's a bazillion great organizations out there. So keep in mind the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And, of course, in my cynical, hardened, old world, who cares? Um, <laughs> but think about we're news for a reason. Think about a newsworthy angle for your article. And, yes, keep it to a couple pages if you're submitting. You can always add more. The editor can always ask for more. Um, I like two pages just because that's a good length, or 500 words, or up to 750, because that's enough information that I can cut some information and be okay, but I'm pretty sure that I have the information I need. Um, make sure it's newsworthy. Is it an anniversary for your organization? Are you doing something? Is it your fundraiser? Are you giving your annual award? We call that a news hook or a news angle or a news peg. Whatever you call it, make sure you have it in your press release. Because again, I get a lot of press releases that are just, here we are, and I'm like, that's very nice. But the reality is, you're competing with hundreds of other press releases a day, and you need to stand out, and you need to be doing something that is news. And you need to be doing something that is new or different, or you need to be doing something major, like an award. Maybe your group is moving to a new office. Maybe you have a new director or a new board of directors. Those are the kind of things editors look for. Otherwise, you know, if you're sending me an article about, aren't, you a, aren't we a great organization? Well, yes, you are, but what have you done lately? And that sounds incredibly harsh, and I apologize for that. But again, with the volume of things editors get, you know, keep it concise. Let us know who you are. Let us know what you do, where you're at. You don't know how many press releases I get in this day of e-news where I'm sending an email and I'm saying, uh, where are you? Are you a Minnesota disability organization? And it's like, well, no, we're in, you know, Montana, and I love Montana, but no, you're not going to be in our paper. So another, quest another question. Just as a comment, this is Renee Zellickson from Government Employees. Um, also, you have to consider um, making yourself presentable So, because the wallets are tight these days. I'm, you, I came in the middle. I apologize. You may have mentioned this, but people want to know, are, are you really worth my spending my 20 or $30 because they haven't got much money to really spend? And a lot of people are looking, is this worth getting uh, for a tax write-off? They're looking for a reason. So... You need the, the. I guess basically we all have to be salespersons. We yes. have to sell the idea that you want to spend your money with us. And absolutely, and, <laughs> absolutely. I think too. Those of you who do websites or have websites, if you have filed your 990s, if you have any kind of charities review, if your state has charities review board if you've got anything like GuideStar, if you've got links to that on your website, that can be really helpful. And that ties exactly into that point of, here's what we're doing. And I think, 
you know, again, if I do give you my money, if it's our capital campaign time, which also is newsworthy, you can send us your capital campaigns, tell us what you use the money for. Tell us what, where the money goes. I'd like to see, you know, what you're doing. If you're going to charge me $100 for a banquet ticket, you know, that's pretty spendy in my world, and maybe some of yours too. And I'd like to know 100% of the banquet fee goes to, you know, new new dogs or new wheelchairs or or hearing aids or whatever group um, group you're in. You might have some of you might have been following what's been happening with Starkey in Minnesota and kind of the scandals, the hearing aid company and the scandals with um, executives suing the company. You know. Sometimes with communications, a lot of it is damage control. So, other questions? Whoops, no, come on, come on. We want to play stump Jane here, so. <laughs> Jane, this is Judy Wilkinson. I want yes. to come back to money. Um, can you? We like money. Oh, we, we, we love money. <laughs> now, how... I understand. Tell me what what the money's going to be spent for. Is there some other way in the ask, other key things to include besides you know what I need the money for, what I what I'm going to do with it, my track record? Can you think? Is there anything else? Emphasize the track record a lot. Emphasize what you're going to do a lot. Emphasize your history when you're communicating. That's a big part of communication is I hear from a lot of organizations and I know they've been around for a long time but I can't find anything about them on their web, the website. I can't find any history. Next month we'll have the Access Press Award for Outstanding Service to Minnesotans with Disabilities and I'm going to get two line entries and I'm supposed to get 500 words of biography out of. So if you open your window and hear somebody going <coughs> that's me. Um, Make sure people have access to plenty of information about your group. Um, make sure people who are sighted can see pictures. Make sure that, you know, maybe you have a really, really kicking audio on your site of somebody who's a website who's talking about, this is how a program made a difference to me. Get that message out. It's really, there's so many asks these days. I mean, my gosh, I had friends who set up GoFundMe when their cat had cancer, and I love cats. I have two. I'm a cancer survivor myself, but I was okay. You're really competing with a lot of groups out there. You know, make sure people get that receipt. You will get a receipt. You know, make sure that's communicated very clearly as well. And stay on point with message. It's, again, you know, think about the pyramid. Think about... Um, you know, why, why we don't pay by the word in articles anymore. <laughs> Think about keeping it really concise and focused. And can I add to that? Uh, this is Doug. Um, ex expected outcomes. Because yeah. uh, that separates, you know, you, going back to what you were saying about, you know, separating the pity from the, from the uh, you know, useful, uh, useful stuff for, for disabled folks. Uh, if you have expected outcomes, if you you know if you just say, well, we're going to give it to this wonderful blind person who really needs a computer. Well, that's you know that's a sob story and, and you know for pity, but because he has a new job and needs this co uh, computer to to do his job effectively so that he can become you know he can uh, 
you know, become a, a, a tax-paying member of society. That's a big difference. But at the same time, consider that sometimes, and I, I, I loathe, loathe, loathe saying this because I'm somebody who, like all of you, doesn't want to be pitied. I just, I just want to be like anybody else with my disabilities. Um, sometimes you just play that pity card. And you play it really well, especially with the TV stations. I mean, weekends are a good time to catch the TV stations and say, you know, gee, are you looking for this, you know, reach out a few times in advance, give them a couple weeks' notice, but maybe they come to the walk and run. Maybe they come to hear somebody's inspirational stories. Again, I'm the crankiest, least inspirational person you will ever know. But sometimes that works, too. You really do have to pick and choose. But again, if it helps you get your message across, back here. Yes, uh, I can see the gentleman's point. I think it's more more of a trying to empower. Yes. Yes. It is. It is about empowerment. But sometimes it's really, and again, you in the first part, of the newspaper I edit, we did a documentary on media coverage. And one of the big things we focused on was the constant focus on people with disabilities as these um, one of the well, I guess a good way to describe it is we're these objects of pity, and we're like the. Do you remember the after-school specials that ABC used to have on? <laughs> maybe you maybe you sat and listened to those, or um, you know, and and or these Hallmark movies of the week, and at the end you can see or you can get out of your chair, or in my case, I can run up and down the block without you know falling in pain, and you know that. That kind of message kind of makes me nuts. But balance it, you know, use it, you know, be, you know, be aware that you want to present the fact that, yeah, my organization needs help, and here we are, but at the same time be able to show that your people, I mean, I, I deal with people at the state capitol who know I'm from the disability paper, and they want me to take their arm, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good today. Or they, want, they shout at me because they know I have a hearing disorder, and as I said, it's Meniere's. I hear really well. Or you get, you get people bringing these accommodations that, you know, I'm like, all I ask is a place to sit where some lobbyist doesn't sit on me or something, <laughs> because that has happened. So. Sometimes, though, um, you, you've got nothing else to work with so yeah. when I go to see okay when a, when one senate, senator I went to see from St. Louis and I walked in the door and immediately she jumped up from her desk and said I've got cookies because I have a guide dog <laughs> oh and she immediately got on the floor with my dog and had her aide taking her picture with him and oh my God! <laughs> so you know, it's it's really hard to stick on message. And I'm sorry to laugh, but explain oh my to gosh. her what I'm there for. But I did, and Good. I said, "Oh, could I have a copy of that picture?" So she sent it from her cell phone to my cell phone, and now I have her cell phone number. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, it really be. I guess maybe the message here is to be very, very flexible when you're doing communications. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I wanted to uh, just first off talk a little bit about the the pity issue or the uh, we'll call it inspirational issue. Um, and you know, getting media attention, 
may not be for the right reason, but you can turn that message. And um, I think having your your message, having what you want to say top of mind so that, yes, they may come to your event uh, for the wrong reason, uh, but you can then use that opportunity to, to put out a message that's positive. And having those those stories in advance, you know, having those talking points, you know, top of mind, so that when you get the opportunity, you take advantage of the opportunity. They're going to come for the reasons that they come, and they're not always the, the right reasons, but at least you'll be prepared. Um, I wanted to ask you, in terms of press releases, uh, because that is a way that we can get our message out. And obviously, the shorter, the more efficient, the better in terms of uh, you know, getting our the, the who, what, when, why um, is important. But you said that, that there are lots of press releases that you end up not reviewing for any number of reasons. Could you talk about the three or four kind of cardinal sins in press releases that take a press release from being viable to being uh, part of the pile that you dump on the podium? Well, that's a great question. I, I should have mentioned that years ago I did public relations. I thought of that with the word cardinal sin. I was the, um, I was the admissions and marketing director for a Catholic male military high school. And I did it because my neighbor needed help, and I was there part-time. I was still doing some of my newspaper work. And I always say if a feminist Methodist product of the public schools can market St. Thomas Academy, <laughs> anybody can do this. And I think the, the thing with press releases that throws me off, there's a real approach now with pitches and press releases to say, hi, Jane, they, you know, they can get your name and slap it in there electronically. How's your day? Don't, don't pretend, unless you know me, don't pretend you know me. Don't, pret don't pretend you care about me. Don't send me a long greeting asking me about the weather or if I had a nice Christmas season. For all you know, I might be a pagan. Um, or, I might be, or I might have this name because I'm Jewish and I don't celebrate Christmas. Or maybe I'm Muslim. I mean, you get these kind of, hi! I mean, I was a high school cheerleader. It's not an experience I would repeat. But don't come across like, you know, I'm Barbie, or, you know, or I, I know all the dogs here are well-trained, and no, I always recoil in horror when I see people going to pet the service dog, and you don't do that, he's working, um, but um, it's really, you know, be don't, don't pretend you're my friend, number one. Number two, give me concise information at the top of the press release, and then build from there. Because if I can't get through the first paragraph and I don't know what you're talking about, I'm not inclined to read the rest. Don't go on and on about something. Get to the point. I mean, you can go on and on about it after you get to the point. Like I said, the pyramid or the snake style of writing, holding the snake in your hand. Um, another point is... Rather than go on and on about information, I like to use web links. And if I have good web links, I will put them in the paper. You know, read more about the Autism Society of Minnesota by going to www.ausm.org. I will use web links. But yeah, if something's really concise, um, don't send long attachments. Don't, well, send attachments. 
but don't send long attachments. One thing that people are doing that really is making a lot of editors nuts is they're doing these attachments with, here's my logo, here's the logo for the event, here's, and here's the Facebook logo because we're on Facebook, here's the Twitter logo because we're on Twitter, and it's just, <laughs> I don't want to see five attachments. I mean, keep it really concise. You know, you might say, attached is the logo for our fundraiser. Um, feel free to use it. Make sure, too, with a press release that, again, hit the deadlines. Um, I know that everyone is special, and you don't need to follow every silly rule, but do hit the deadlines, and do tell, it, tell me why, without coming across like you're my best friend, tell me why this is important to my readers. So those are kind of, those are kind of the quick and dirty things to say. Um, but yeah, the whole tone now is to be friendly, and a lot of these publicists are slowly making me insane with these. Hi, hope you had a great weekend. Um, no, just found out my beloved aunt has stage four cancer. So you're reading this and you're like, you know, you don't know that. The person sending the press release doesn't know that. But as I, as an editor, I'm going, bloody hell, really? <laughs> so yeah, Doug, another question? Currently, is it when you're doing a press release and sending it out via email? Do you do you put it below your signature in the body of the email? Do you use it as do it as an attachment? Do you do both? Do both. But if a press release is long, give me the Reader's Digest version in the body of the email. Some papers don't because of viruses. There are some papers and journalists who won't open attachments at all. So put. Put it in the body of the email, lead in saying, hello, we have this event we would like to get the word out about. Don't pretend you're asking about the weather or my cats or whether I had a good weekend. But, you know, yeah, just attachments are okay. But to me, it's really helpful to see at least part of the press release in the body of the email. I think you just, it's easier to see it that way. So should we do one more? That was a clarification. And then we get the hook. Then they have to get the hook and throw me out of here. <laughs> My question relates to logo. You were mentioning that. Is that something that would uh, attract you right away? or? Well, we're a statewide paper. Okay. Access Press is the Minnesota paper for people with disabilities. And if any of you, it is, it is readable with JAWS online. Um, if you want to find that or find me, I invite you to do so. We're statewide, but if you're outside of Minnesota, we're not going to be as interested in you, and I'm very sorry. Well, I'm sure you're all great people, but focus on what a coverage area is. I'll bet all of you live in communities where there might be a weekly or a twice-weekly or a monthly community paper, and maybe the big paper in town isn't interested, but maybe the small one would be. So think about your audience. You know, when it's your fundraiser or your big event or you're hiring a new executive director, I always say go big or go home. You send that to everybody. But have a good media list and keep your list focused on who you want to reach. You know, know the papers in your area. Go to your state newspaper or broadcast association and get a list. You can, with those websites these days, you can really target and focus a message. Once a year or twice a year, check your list. Send an email, say, hi, 
I'm Susie Smith from Lutheran Social Services. Are you still interested in our press releases? What would you be... People who ask me once or twice a year, what would you be interested? I'm like, oh my God, the clouds opened and parted and hooray! So think in terms of reaching out to the editors once or twice a year instead of just sending to them and develop that relationship. So thank you. You've been a great group. I see the hook is approaching me. Ah, no! <laughs> Uh-oh, that microphone doesn't like you. Oh, no! Love the technology. Um, I want to first off thank everybody uh, here who is in the room. I also want to thank the people who uh, listened on ACB radio. We did have a world, a worldwide audience. Um, this was great, and you know I think that if we can just put into practice the idea of prioritizing our information, having our articles really build uh, from the top down, uh, and really, really focusing on. Uh, conciseness and to-the-point communications. I think that's going to be great. Um, I want to thank Jane for coming out and spending part of her day with us. Uh, really appreciate that. Thanks, you guys. You were great. Thank you. So tomorrow, um, this we look forward to seeing you. We um, Again, uh, as part of elections, we'll be electing uh, Board of Publications members. Uh, so if you... Um, uh, have an interest in that, please be there so you can vote, um, so you can participate in that election along with all the other things that are happening tomorrow. And um, by the way, I just want to point out and acknowledge Sharon uh, Lovering is our ACB Braille Forum editor. She does some of the things that Jane talked about. She's very good with her deadlines. She does send out reminders, and I think she probably is developing a very thick skin. So <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, we are adjourned. <laughs>